G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And joining us on the line right now is Charles Newington from Family Voice Australia. Charles, interesting to see that the Global Refugee and Migration Congress is on this week. Uh, lots of talk about refugees around the world right now. Uh, what's your take on uh, on this conference, mate? Yes, uh, g'day, Matt. The, the name gives us a clue, doesn't it? It's the Global Refugee and Migration Congress. It's the recognition that not everyone that calls themselves a refugee is a refugee in the common sense of the word, that many people are moving for for related reasons, uh, but not necessarily because they're coming from an, a conflict zone or um, or they're under severe persecution uh, or they're, they've been living in a prolonged natural uh, disaster area, you know, something like that. They're, they're not, that's not the situation um, for, for many people that are moving today. Well, it's certainly uh, in the headlines everywhere. You, you look all around the world, uh, obviously, uh, in parts of uh, you know Africa, Europe, South America to North America, Asia to Australia, um, it's certainly uh, in the headlines everywhere. Um, and just just unpack that a bit for us about the difference between a refugee and someone who is migrating. What's the what's the difference there? Well, refugees are those who are being driven to move because of uh, conflict. Uh, such as, you know, there are some people that you can see in, in the Syrian situation that they, they are having to move, like what's happening there on that border area yeah. um, as uh, Turkey starts to bomb and militarise it and sending in heavy equipment and troops and things like that. Well, the people in the towns are having to leave because they're now in a classic conflict environment. Yeah. And so th- they're in flight, you know, they're looking for refuge. That's the word. They're looking for refuge from the violence. Mm. Um, sometimes that, refu- that, that, that the cause of that violence is, um, is not just political, it's either racial or it's religious, you know. Mm. And, and so we get that particular dynamic that comes in as well. There's nearly always those elements as part of it. Mm. But then what we're finding is that, the, that, that in the, what we might call the regions of the world that uh, have not embraced the sort of full democratic model um, as openly and, and, um, and they're typically run by people who are um, concentrating wealth and power and the, the poor in those, in those nations, that they just see no future because there's very poor law, law and order. And it's not as if there's necessarily a particular class of people in their community that's uh, that's a victimised. It's just anybody who's poor and doesn't have a strong patron is vulnerable. And so as a, a sort of a lower end of a middle class starts to develop in those countries, they start to say to themselves, there's no future for our families here. Let's, let's you know, get on a boat or get on a plane and, and, and move out. And, um, and that's what's happening. So we see that happening in the Great March that's been going on from Honduras in, in Central America across uh, through Mexico. Mexicans and the Central American states have just let them through and they've marched up um, to the border of the U.S. in their thousands and thousands, and we saw them in that march. 
And um, then also that's been happening out of out of South Saharan Sub-Saharan Africa, where convoys of uh, of of people who are moving for opportunity they they've got a, enough money to p- pay somebody to to have a, a seat on a on a on a on a truck and then on a boat to get them across the mediterranean into into europe and and that's happening in uh, in in our environment now in australia because uh, over the last 5 years with the with the boats sort of uh, being prevented from coming uh, these these migrants are coming in other ways and so in the last five years we've had 95,000 uh, people fly into Australia and and, uh, and claim asylum when they arrive and um, when they arrive they, they put in the formal claim of asylum uh, international uh, refugee law requires that that be taken seriously so they go into the system and um, um, and then it, they're they're assessed, but you can imagine that there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of claims or requests for asylum now in our in our court system that that's set up to to cover that. And they 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 can be there for years in the in the system that the, the, because they'll get rejected because they don't fit the classical definition of a, of refugee. You know, the classical definition uh, de- definition was designed when we were talking about the refugee rather than the economic migrant or whatever. And so people come in and they've got some evidence of the fact that they're, they're deprived of work opportunities or they're, they're part of a minority group that is, that is um, you know, often victimised in some way or way. But the level of, the level of, uh, of of deprivation of rights is much lower, and so they get rejected. But because the system is set up in, in countries like Australia and the US, they, their paperwork just cycles and cycles for years. And interesting, when you see uh, those arriving by plane uh, in into Australia, I, I noticed uh, that Senator Christine Keneally said in 90% of these particular cases, the individuals are not legitimate refugees and are often being trafficked to Australia the explicit purpose yes. of being exploited. Tell us about that. Yes, this is a, a very dark element. Um, the um, it's it's. I think that we we see that say with our labour relations, um, you know, that are carefully um, controlled. It's um, one of the things that happens is that the poor get trafficked in as um, almost slave class, you know, where they, they'll come in and they'll work like crazy in sweatshops and, and in, you know, those kind of very low levels of, of, of employment. And uh, there may be some arrangement for their family to be being remunerated back at wherever they've come from. Um, and how reliable that is, 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 is very um, unknown. But Quite a number of those people are coming in, and they find themselves going through the the, the brothels as well, and um, uh, as brothel workers. And so uh, there's this very dark side to it. And uh, uh, and you can imagine that um, you, you know when when you're a um, when you're a country like Australia and you've been managing the, the, the customary law and, law and order issues, and you're used to gangs and things like that, all of a sudden to find yourself having to work with gangs that have got strong international connections and they're bringing the poor in in order to do these um, these kinds of jobs, um, you're dealing with um, international uh, criminality. And actually, this is one of the characteristics of the world we're moving into. 
is that um, uh, as law and order breaks down in lots of countries, in many ways we're in a, in a post-government era because the traditional governments that, that, that the, 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 the one-time colonies and others received from, from the, as part of their, what we might call uh, part of the consequence of, of, of colonization and things like that, those sorts of governments haven't really cut through in many ways. And so the traditional um, chieftainships and and um, you know these kind of warrior chief type uh, that, that we would think of as just crime bosses. You know these people uh, they are re-emerging and uh, and so we we get this this non-formal government uh, happening in lots of parts of the world where big populations are being governed more by uh, like tribal chieftainships and things like that. It's going back to that. It's kind of like going. Um, you know I sort of. Um, see that on the one hand you've got that happening and on the other hand you've got the more civil societies that are able to control their circumstance saying well we just don't want these people coming into our countries and our reaction is to build a wall like you know uh, the president trump he sort of he recognizes what's going on here that this is not just the poor that have been are moving but you've got you've got um, you've got these strands uh, that include the, the criminal elements or the or the slaves of the criminal elements being trafficked as well. And he says, hang on a minute, we've got to be able to filter all this out and sort out who's got a legitimate uh, claim and who hasn't. And uh, the only way to do that is put up a big fence or a big wall. And before you know where you are, before we know where we are, the world's going to look a little bit like um, uh, the kind of medieval world with um, fortified encampments. Now, there's also uh, interesting news uh, in an article in this week's Time magazine uh, there's reports on the power base of Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini, how he cultivated the Islamic Revolutionary Guards cause uh, rather than the clerics. Uh, what's your take on that, mate? Well, there's an example of how, you know, understanding <laughs> when we look at Iran, you know, uh, it may feel like we're looking down the corridors of time um, to a culture that, and to a, a way of living that's just sort of um, kind of, so far removed from the from the classical Western model, uh, and yet it, it's complex because you've got this high level of sophisticated technology there. You know the nuclear reactors and things like that that are, are there, and the relationship that they've got with Russia to, and Korea, and to, to have these high level, high capacity uh, engineering. And there's absolutely nothing uh, wrong with the intelligence of the Iranians. Are profoundly intelligent people, but in their game of a power game, uh, the question was where. If you were a political leader, who was who who had your back? Was it the clerics or was it the uh, revolutionary guard? And the, the current um, the current um, um, uh, Ayatollah, he, he the people that cover him are the revolutionary guard, the Republican guard, and um, and they have become like uh, together they've become a kind of a powerful uh, a, a powerful card trade where they. They, they run a third of the economy. That's how powerful they are. They and their interests run businesses and commercial interests to the, to the economic value of a third of the Iranian economy. So, um, you know, the idea of a, of a military being, you know, being a neutral uh, power politically and not involved in the economy is, is not what's happening in the world. This is happening in Egypt as well. And, in, it's, of course, it was always the case in, a, in Syria and uh, and in so many other parts of the world, the relationship between the the, the army and the and the political system uh, is very very uh, very close, and 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 it's close economically. 
So um, the thing is that that money's not going into armaments necessarily. <laughs> it's 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 going into the, the into the private wealth of um, of the of the great generals. And I'm reading in one of your articles here, Charles, uh, a great little comment you've made here uh, from Family Voice. It says we've lived through a period where the most famous people in Western Christianity are musicians and conference speakers. Soon it will be martyrs and missionaries. Uh, just unpack that a bit for us, mate. Well, I think that, you know, Western Christianity has been much more affected by the culture, you know, the sort of consumerist culture. It's, had, it's been more affected by consumerism than, uh, than its effect upon consumerism. You know, we've, we, um, I think that if we step back and look, look at um, the whole way in which the church operates in, in the West, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just reflecting the culture. And uh, the culture is is somewhat, um, you know, it's somewhat um, morally bankrupt, isn't it? And so, um, when we tend to think in in Western Christianity, the people who are famous are, you know, uh, you know, and I won't name anybody because they're not they're not doing it to be famous necessarily. But you know, the people we know are these big music bands and associations and maybe major conference speakers or whatever, and they're the kind of heroes. Of um, many people, but that's all changing. And um, from 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 musicians and conference speakers to martyrs and missionaries, there's a there's a huge change in cultural and spiritual values. Mm. <laughs> there's a huge change. Mm. And um, and the tendency is, I mean, we we recognise it, and we dislike it, we re- but we recognise the fact that if somebody ha- has been sort of a kind of what we might call almost a celebrity missionary. Before you know where you are, the, the, the commercialization of that person's life and ministry kind of uh, makes us all a bit sick, doesn't it? Mm. And um, uh, and so um, I think um, as we see um, the decline of um, of global peace and stability, and that's the direction. Um, as we see that. Um, uh, we must find comfort in the fact that our faith functions best when the circumstances of life are adverse. The church is more like a sailing ship than a motorboat, and wise and experienced sailors know how to sail against the wind. Mm. So that's um, that's that's how I kind of see it. We and that, the thing is that the, that that's actually we can't prevent that from affecting us we can't just build a bigger wall around australia you know we we have to recognize that what happens is that as happened right from the earliest times that in very unstable times something rises up in us and it's a it's the call of god that comes onto the church uh, to care not just for themselves but to care even for their enemies and you know there's so many examples in history of the monks leaving the security of their of their fortress cities and going out in among uh, the enemy that was camped around them. And, uh, of course, many of them were butchered, but others of them, uh, the very symbol of their lives was the symbol uh, that uh, that Christ loves the world, not just the safe. Mm. And as we wrap up today, Charles, I know that you've got a prayer to share with us. Now, this is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, uh, who was from the 13th century, uh, do you want to share this with us? Like, this is this is beautiful. Yeah, so it's uh, it's. I mean, most of you hearers would recognise it, but it, it you know somebody wrote it. Or <laughs> it came to, it came into public domain in the, in the nineteenth century, and it's that famous prayer, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, 
you know, so it's not global peace in the traditional sense, but the in instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offence, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me seek not as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, but to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds, and it is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Mm. Beautiful words. Charles, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you once again. If people want to find out more about Family Voice, what's the best website to go to? Uh, familyvoice.org.au And, of course, you're also on social media. People can look you up there as well. God bless you, mate. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.